All right. What's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. We're on episode 92 of Goals and Updates. Let me just make sure everything's good. Sound check. Check, check, check. Check, check. All right. I think we're good. All right. So we're on episode 92 of Goals and Updates. I feel like I have a, I got some really good topics today. We're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, how we normally do this show is we go into, I update you in my personal life. That's where the goals and updates portion of it comes into place, where I go over some of my personal goals, some of my business goals, and then I update you guys on kind of what's going on uh, throughout the week. Now, this is the fourth episode that I've done for goals and updates, so this will be the last one to make up for last week for not doing two. So I did four this week, all right? I did four episodes. I don't think I've done four episodes um, at all at you know at all for like one week so this is pretty exciting for me being able to do four episodes for one week and then we'll go back to the normal schedule where it's monday and wednesday i do them live at 7 p.m so i try to get here you know i get off work at 6 30 i try to get here at 7 and get them going sometimes i'm a little late i apologize for that um i might move it to 7 30 just so it's a little bit more structured and organized but for the most part, I try to get and start these episodes of goals and updates at 7 p.m. So, um, and now what I'm trying to do is once I catch up on SoundCloud, now we're going on SoundCloud. I'm uploading my episodes there. That way you can, um, it's all, you know, you can go in your car and do audio. So you don't have to just watch the videos. And, and I had a lot of com complaints where people were saying that the episodes were about an hour, hour and a half, and they're too long and they can't sit through them. So, if you just want audio portions of it to listen to, which it's really all you need. You don't really need the video. The video just makes it a nice little engagement going on. Um, and I do the videos mainly for live streaming. So um, if you want to join me live, be a part of the discussions, um, that's really what I do the live streaming for is it's more of an engaging type of experience where you can see me personally and I'll engage with uh, – the questions that you can ask me and different, you know, different things. If you want to just say hi or uh, ask me, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Wow. That was weird. But ask me a question or um, just in general, want to discuss the topics that I go over. Cause I do my personal, I do the two topics and then I go into done deal investments. So if you have any questions during any of that stuff, or if you just want to engage with me on the discussion topics, then that's why I do the live streams. And then from there, I'll upload them to SoundCloud. We're not on iTunes yet. Once we do, I'll update you. Um, but once, you know, my goal is to get on SoundCloud, which we already are, but get it fully updated with all the episodes. Right now I'm only on episode three and it's, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge to get all these episodes. I'm on 92 right now. And the goal is to hit a hundred. Once I hit a hundred, I'm going to be really shocked because that was my goal from the start. When I first started, I remember going back to like episode 10 or I don't remember which one I stated. I was going to try to get to a hundred episodes. But then the next goal would probably be like another 100. So then the next goal would probably be 200. Uh, ultimately, like, I, you know, I, the big goal for me for goals and updates would probably be like 1,000 episodes, which, you know, it's going to take a long, long time. But um, the next small step would be 200. And then my probably like the small goals would be 100 increments of episodes. The massive, massive bigger picture of it would probably be 1,000, which would be like, that'd be crazy to have 1,000 episodes. It's a lot of content. Just to get to 100 episodes, just for you guys to, to understand this, is like 
I think almost every single episode, uh, besides like the beginning ones when I was trying to figure out how I wanted to structure the show, um, now it's more structured. Before I was listening to episode one or two, and it was just like ums and ahs, and I I didn't really I you know it was my first time ever going on live streams, so I was trying to find the niche, the structure, and it wasn't it wasn't one hundred percent in order. Right. Like I, I didn't have everything put together. So now I have the structure. I understand what I kind of want, you know, my themes to be. And it's more, and I don't do the ums and ahs and you knows and all that stuff, the likes, because I think also Toastmasters will help me with that because there's a, that's kind of what they look for is the ums, the ahs, and, and uh, they call them, I can't think of the word. They, they call them like conjunction or filler, filler words when you're trying to think of something. And you don't, you can't think of something. So you're just, you go, uh, like, or when you're really nervous, you tend to do that a lot. So now since I'm on 92, you know, I'm a lot more comfortable on the, on the cameras. I'm a lot more comfortable talking to people, engaging. I kind of understand the structure of the Instagram and Facebook live. And I just, you know, it's a little bit easier for me now. I get, now I just get excited to come on here and do the episodes before it was a little nerve wracking. Now I'm just excited. Uh, Like today I was just like, you know, I went to work. I got up at 6.30 or 6.50 around that time, went to work, and I was just like, I just want to get through these eight hours to go do the live stream because I was just hyped. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a live stream. Like, I get energized when I come on here now because in my mind, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm expanding on this. Like, now I can see a bigger vision that I couldn't see before. Like, when I first started Goals and Updates, it was a small, a small, very, very small image, and now I'm like, all right, I I'm seeing some engagement. I'm seeing, you know, I'm getting uh, some, uh, some feedback and some support. And and now it's kind of like now I'm envisioning things. Now I can see the structure and I can see the layout and I can see kind of the direction I want to take it. And now it's just kind of just filling those ideas and really trying to push for expansion on it and just build. And that's basically like what a business is. Like you start small, you envision something small or you have a kind of a bigger vision, but you have to start somewhere and you start very small and you work your way up to being a massive uh, business, right? It's the same idea as like podcasting is, you know, it's, everything's a business. So um, that's what I'm thinking about right now. So now I can see it. I'm expanding, trying to go to other niches or other areas of uh, broadcasting. And that's kind of where I'm going to go. Um, update different equipment. My next goal right now is to get some more podcast equipment. So when I get uh, more co-hosts on here, it's a little bit easier. I don't have to struggle to, you know, see people. I don't have to struggle to get the atmosphere or their environment. And eventually I want to take it out of uh, just filming it in my room, right? Eventually I want to get a studio, different things where, you know, with time, it's all, it's all timing because you gotta, you gotta first probably build the audience. I don't really have a big audience. I kind of just have a couple people that stray through, I have a couple people that are regular people that support me a lot and they come on here constantly. So I don't, I haven't really built up a community or even like a um, viewer audience yet. So once I get that established, then I can kind of, you know, start trying to fund it a little bit and hopefully, you know, expand it to a point where I can get into like, you know, get a studio or, and, you know, just get a better background. Cause that's really like the next big thing that I want to hit is like, better scenery or better structure of like uh, video content. So that's, that's the plans kind of with goals and updates. Uh, we got SoundCloud. I'm working on iTunes. YouTube would be the next big thing. 
SoundCloud is kind of a little bit more important right now, only for the fact that I want to try to catch up and do the audio. But what I was also thinking was, as I get these episodes on, you know, I'll probably have like little checkpoints where I'm thinking maybe like every 10 episodes I get onto SoundCloud and download it onto um, my actual drive, my external drive. Then I can go and start cutting them until I get up to episode 10 on the cuts on YouTube and then start working again. And eventually the goal is to, you know, probably set a goal per week. Like, all right, there's how many episodes I want to get cleared without the week. And then once I get caught up, then it's just like, okay, I film the episode. I do it live. It goes on my Facebook feed and Instagram feed and I download it from Facebook. I put the audio right onto SoundCloud, which the RSS feed will directly distribute to all the other audio platforms like iTunes and everything. Um, Spotify was another one someone gave me, which is probably a good idea. Spotify is pretty big. iTunes is pretty big. SoundCloud's pretty big. So, and then, and then I could just cut, you know, cut the, the, you know, the little segments into YouTube and post it on YouTube real quick. So that's kind of like the plan. Uh, it's, you know, I got to go through a lot of content to get caught up on episode 92. So it's going to take me a decent amount of time. Plus everything that's going on in my life. I'm constantly trying to uh, build done deal investments. My, my personal company and at the same time, work a full-time job. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a little difficult. I'm going to work on it. You know, I might have to figure out um, getting some help with it if I possibly can, if I know anyone, or maybe reach out to someone to help me do it. But regardless, it's going to get done. And that's the most important thing is staying focused and getting it done because it's, it's, it's a vision that's bigger than myself, right? It's a vision where I do this to help other people where if I can branch it, you know, even if I help maybe like a per one person, right? Like I help my friend Ashma out a lot. And even though like these episodes didn't, you know, wasn't, they weren't present at the time. Like I wasn't doing this at the time when, when I helped her out, it was just, you know, I, I'd go and hang out with her and we'd talk and um, I'd actually pitch some of the stuff that I'm pitching on this on goals and updates itself. Some of the stuff that I talk about on here was exactly what I talked about with her on a one-on-one, -on -one, just, uh, you know, face-to-face -face interaction. And it helped her a lot. And she ended up, um, she ended up getting out of that, that negative mindset and into a more positive mindset. And she's flourished throughout her whole entire life. So that's actually what actually started the goals and updates in my mind where I'm like, all right, if I could do a podcast, this is what I would want to talk about and do. Uh, it was mostly because of, because of that, that, uh, that kind of environment or not environment, it's the wrong word. Um, situation is what I wanted to say, where it's that type of situation that influenced me to be like, all right, like maybe I, this could help a lot of people if I start doing X, Y, and Z and doing the podcast. And that's where goals and updates kind of got created into. But moving forward on some of these updates that I want to update you guys on, um, I have to still... I still got to work on some things with uh, with Dundee Investments where I want to get some more of a structure. It's kind of funny if you if you're watching the video, you can see uh, you can see the, my dog's tail. I don't know what he's doing, but you see his tail. It's kind of funny. But anyways, getting on back onto a serious note, I got to fix some things with it. Where uh, I think I've spoke about this before. When I first started, I had I had a team, a legal team, kind of go through and and start up and create the entity of the business and they ended up doing it in Utah. So I'm still in the process of trying to fix it and get it into Florida because I'm not in Utah, I'm in Florida. 
So when I talk to a tax, uh, a tax attorney or a tax advisor, they were telling me like, it doesn't really make sense for you to have a business in Utah, pay double the taxes, uh, pay basically X, Y, and Z fees that you probably really don't need because you're, you're not big enough to expand into Utah. And he's like, your business is in Florida. It makes more sense to have your business in Florida legally. And as like a main entity in Florida, not, not that it's not legal. Like I, I'm like technically right now a transferred entity into Florida, which is kind of weird. Right. So I need to fix that and do paperwork and send some stuff into both Utah and Florida, which if anyone knows, it's, you know, ever gone to the DMV or have, have gone to any government type of office. It's kind of a struggle because no one really gives you the proper information and you're trying to figure out how to uh, do something that you've never done before. And then they expect you to just know, or they tell you, oh, you got to go contact this department and contact that department. They tell you to contact another department. So it's kind of one of those things where it's really, really difficult to get the, you know, accurate information at the same time, at the same time trying to correct everything and do it the right way, right? Because no one really, there's no, there's no, um, I mean, you have online, you have the internet, but there's no, no one really guiding you. You're trying to find information as you go and you're trying to build as you go. And that's the most difficult part. That's why a lot of people quit. I think in the business atmosphere because uh, no one really teaches you a lot of stuff. There, there's obviously mentors that you can go get, but the legal part I think is the, the most challenging part. But anyways, so that's that. I'm trying to fix that. Uh, I got my friend hit me up um, a couple days ago, uh, Ashma, who I was talking about earlier, and she was and she was saying how she was basically saying how like it's kind of crazy that she went back to the old videos. And I don't know how she was. I don't know how she was watching it. I don't know if she was listening to it on SoundCloud the last the last like four episodes, the last three episodes I put on there. But I was listening to one episode. I think it was like episode two. And I was talking about my trip in Fort Myers and it was just filled with ums and ahs until I got kind of comfortable. Cause in the beginning I was always struggling. And then once I got comfortable talking and I started talking, I got more interactive and more engaged and more kind of excited. And I kind of stopped the ums and ahs. And I realized that she was right. Another thing I realized too was my, I had, a, I have structure now. I have like a lot of structure. Like you can tell like just off the back of the intro that I just did. Right. Intro is kind of clean and crisp. I went in and did, um, I do updates in the beginning, like what I'm doing right now. Then I go into the two topics and from the two topics, I go into Dundee investments and then that's it. Right. So it's all structured now. So I got better. So she was telling me the other day that, um, that basically like, you know, it's kind of amazing that you went from like episode one, probably up until like 10 or 20. And like, they, they were okay. They, they probably weren't the best because there's a lot of ums and ahs wasn't really structured until now, like up until like episode 90 plus, right. Where she's like, now it's more structured. It's, it's very well organized. And it's just, you could tell you got a lot better, like public speaking wise. The other thing too, was then I joined Toastmasters. Was Toastmasters probably definitely helped me a lot with this where I have to speak in front of people at Toastmasters. It's not like this. Like, you know, people will come by and I, it'll give me a view count and I'll be like, all right, there's two people on right now watching you live. And then it posts, right? I don't, cause I don't have a big audience right now. So right now it's like, you'll see probably like two or three people come on live and then it'll go and post. And that's where I get a lot of the view counts is, is the posting when I post on Facebook or Instagram. And that's where I get most of the views. But when, 
I have to, you know, go to Toastmasters and actually speak in front of people. I, that's a, that's a live audience. Like I got to speak in front of 15 to 20 people. You know, it doesn't sound like a lot like, Oh, it's only 15 to 20 people. But for some people, it's even hard for them to talk in front of five or 10 people, right? Like some people get really scared if they have to talk in front of five people and just be like, and lead a conversation with no engagement. Like, obviously it's an audience. Some of them will engage, but most of the time, no one speaks to you. You're, it's almost like speaking to yourself, like what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm trying to speak to an audience right now and I am speaking to an audience, but for the most part, you don't hear anyone trying to talk to me back. I'm kind of talking to you directly and I'm in control of the conversation. I'm in control of basically what's going on. Right? So that's where it got, that's where it's a little bit more difficult. People struggle with public speaking is they get really nervous. Like, Oh my gosh, like what if I say the wrong thing and everyone hates me or so what I learned, what I had to learn as a, as a big skill was I just, I don't worry what other people think. I just kind of go from the topic and talk about the topic and I try to lay it out as best and best structured as I possibly can. And I think the the best thing that helped me was the, was the, um, so I kind of now, now you're probably going to hear a couple ums now because in the beginning we were talking about this and so that's going to happen. It's normally what happens when you mention something like that, it does that. But my one, the one person at Toastmasters, which was Daniel and the president of that club, not the president anymore. Now Daniel's the president, but she was the president at the time. And she came up to me, uh, Melanie, she came up to me and she's like, Hey, it looks like you wrote out a speech just a, and they both gave me this tip by the way, like, two different times. And they're like, the best way to do a speech, like when you're speaking in front of people is not to write out a, a full speech, just do bullet points and do like, all right, I want to talk about this topic, this topic, and this topic, and then do bullet points of like, all right, in this topic, I kind of want to focus on these three elements or these two elements and talk about these within that topic. Right. And the reason for that is it becomes more, it doesn't look like it's, it's, it's staged. It doesn't look like it's, it, it's been written out. It looks like you're coming off off your head and you know what you're talking about. Kind of what I'm doing right now. That's actually probably why the you know each episode got better was because the more I talked about the topic, the more engaged I was or am. And it all comes from the head. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit that. But it all comes from the top of my head. It, there's no written out stuff. I have a note card, but the note card just has like, all right, I want to talk about this, 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 and this right? It's just the structure. That's actually what gives the show a little bit more structure because I have the note card and I'm like, all right, I want to go into this, to this, to this, to this, to this, right? So I just have the topic and I don't have, I don't have things written out. Everything I talk to you as I'm speaking is basically not planned. I don't have it written out. It's all from inside my head as I'm going. That's why sometimes, you know, you'll hear me get stuck because, or I'm like, ah, I, I, what, you know, I wasn't looking for that type of word because my brain is constantly trying to think as I'm talking to you right now. So that's kind of, that's kind of a tip I learned from um, my friend at Toastmasters, Daniel, and then the, the president, Melanie, she gave me those tips where I'm like, Oh, that's perfect. Like makes a lot of sense. And if you ever look at a real public speaker, like if you have, if you look at a professional speaker, you'll realize exactly what I'm saying. They don't have notes. They don't go up there with like note cards. They kind of just go up there with a topic and they talk exactly, and it almost looks like they structured it almost like a speech, but it's all inside their head because they know exactly what they're talking about. They know the topic well. They know everything pretty well. They're, they're, they're probably prepared before they even go up there. They probably practiced it a couple times, gone through it a couple times, but 
they ha- they haven't. I don't. I'm. I'm I'll be like a hundred percent honest with you. I don't even think they write it out. They probably just do a topic and they're like, okay, this is how I'm going to talk. This is probably how I'm going to structure it. And that's it. So that's that. So Ashma was kind of commenting on that. She gave me a little bit of uh, you know, kind of like positive feedback where she's like, you know, it's, it's amazing how you went from this episode and then now you're on 92 or you're in the nineties. You're almost at a hundred. Like she's like, you're almost there to a hundred and I only have eight more episodes. Right. But she was like, it's amazing how everything has changed. And now it's kind of like, it's crazy how you got really good now at speaking. So that was kind of cool. So that's why I want to share with you. Now I have some speech ideas that I do want to share with you when I go to for Toastmasters. So I, I kind of was sitting with myself and I was listening. Uh, some of these topics, I wrote down a bunch of topics. I was sitting down at my desk. I was listening to this 16 year old um, kid who was talking about how he's making millions and he started a business, I think, when he was like, I think when he was 10 or 12 or something like that. But his dad was a, was a big entrepreneur and, and made him read and do different things that were out of the ordinary. And so he became one of like the first 16-year-old uh, kids to ever become like a millionaire at 16. And I was just listening to his, uh, his interview, right, with uh, I think it's Omar – this isn't the kid. This is the interviewer. It's Omar something. And his show is called The Passionate Few. So I was listening to this interview. I honestly forget um, the, the kid's name, but he was talking about how, you know, like certain traits that you have. He's also a motivational speaker. He's pretty well known. He's met a lot of different people. Grant Cardone. He's met Tony Robbins. He's met Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, different people that are big, 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 big public speakers that have done very impactful different types of of things within their lives and he got to meet these people so I, as i'm listening i'm jotting down a lot of, a lot of different ideas hit me because whenever i listen to a motivational speech or i listen to a lot of motivational positive things or i'm just going throughout life and i'm like oh that'd be so good to write a topic on right i, I write it down on paper I, at least at work because i can't at work i can't use my phone so i jot it down on paper so these are the topics I kind of came up with um, or speech ideas that I came up with when I was listening to this 16-year-old kid speak about how he's making basically millions at age 16. He's one of the few few kids making millions right now at age 16. So the speech idea I came up with was, was uh, belief, right? Belief. And the topic that I kind of wanted to relate it to because I like giving examples because obviously anyone can talk about believing in something or belief in general. So I came up with this with the idea of giving the example of the event of like Jesus Christ being on the cross. Right. I, I, I came up with this cause believing or belief in my mind would be kind of tied in with, uh, with faith. Right. And uh, the people I'm going to be talking to at Toastmasters get a lot of guests there at the same time, like the people there, I, I'm sure a lot of them are religious or religious, but I don't know exactly. Like you never know if you're going to have an atheist there. I don't know if I'm going to have, uh, someone that maybe believes in a different religion and they don't really believe in like, you know, like, cause I'm Catholic. So I do believe that Jesus Christ is the savior, but you know, there's so many different religions in the world. You really don't know who's going to be sitting there. So obviously it's going to be a little bit more of a challenging conversation to, to speak in front of people, right? As some people might not, not, um, not really agree with what I'm going to probably talk about, but the idea that I wanted to do with this speech was talking about believing, right? And being so like confident in like your belief system that like you could do anything. 
And the example I was going to give was how, how confident Jesus Christ, right, or Jesus was that he was going to be the savior, that he went against the odds, right? He went against basically odds. Now, I obviously can't prove to you that he rose from the dead, but the point that I was going to make on it was he was so convinced within himself that he was the savior. He believed it so much that he went against a whole town that, that thought he was crazy, that didn't believe him, and they hung him. And he went so far, they gave him so many chances to say in front of, uh, in front of, uh, in front of the leader, so many chances to say, hey, you know, I'm rethinking this whole thing. I don't want to die. Uh, you know, I'm, maybe I'm not the savior. Maybe I'm not God, right? They gave him so many op- opportunities to get out, right, as he could. And he still said, even though he knew he was going to die, he was going to be put on a cross. They were going to crucify him. He still said, I'm the savior, right? So the point that I wanted to make on that was that was he was so convinced in himself and he still went through with it. And some of us just don't believe in ourselves. And that's what I, that, that's what the whole entire speech is going to be based upon. Um, and even if you're atheist, even if you don't really believe in Christianity or, you know, you're not Catholic or, you know, whatever the case is, different religion, science and, and, and people have gone and proved that this has taken place, okay? So we, we know for a fact there was a guy named Jesus, all right? And we also know for a fact that these events did take place. They did crucify someone that called himself Jesus, right? And, the, and I believe it was the Romans that did it, right? The Romans crucified Jesus because they said, no, that's not, that's not what we believe in. Uh, you're crazy. You're not the Savior, right? You're like, you're not the savior. And because you're, because you're committing a crime, because you're, you're falsifying that you're the savior and you're saying that you're basically God's son, we're going to kill you basically. So that's what, that, that was the whole argument behind it, right? That's why they crucified him. But that was going to be the big thing, right? And I came across that because they were talking the 16 year old kid that was a millionaire was talking about how, you know, a lot of people don't believe in themselves. They have like the, these big dreams, these big visions, they go out and people start hating on them. They start saying stuff. And then automatically they, they basically like tell them like they're nothing. And he said, so that kind of, that's kind of what happened with him since he was like really young and he wanted to go be a public speaker and he wanted to go do X, Y, and Z people are like, you're too young. What do you know? Like, you're like you're nothing. And they tried to basically uh, throw throw him out, right? But he was he was he believed enough, he believed so much in himself that it overcame all that that struggle and obstacles and negativity, and he pushed through it. And he, you know he's one of the few sixteen uh, year old. I think he's actually the first sixteen year old. I've never even heard of anyone being sixteen and uh, making millions on their own and, and going into sales and and different you know different elements, which it takes a lot of people to build up that confidence to do, right? So. That was one idea. Uh, the other thing too was I kind of wanted to go a little bit more and do a topic maybe on how how much money the United States goes into to create uh, the military, right? And so I talked about this a couple days ago on episode ninety one, and I and I couldn't remember the statistic of um, how much money it takes to make an average Navy SEAL, and so I heard it again, which is really funny because like I've talked about before. 
as soon as you start talking about something, something happens a couple days later and bam, there's your answer, right? So to like, you know, I did that, that episode like two days ago and today I was listening to something with Grant Cardone in it and he went over the statistics. So I wrote it down. I'm like, I got to write that down and put that into this podcast. So the statistic is it takes one, the United States, the United States puts in one million, it takes one million dollars to make one Navy SEAL, and the turnover rate is 80% of a turnover rate, right? They spend one million dollars to create one, just one Navy SEAL at an 80% turnover rate. So that's the statistic that I wanted to do like two days ago, which, you know, ironically enough came up, uh, you know, I was watching this one video and it came up and they went over the statistic. So I was like so proud of, you know, I was so happy that I found it because it's a crazy statistic that no one really like talks about or knows. So I was like, oh man, I got to get that. So it takes one, I'll say it again, $1 million to make one Navy SEAL at an 80% turnover rate. So they invest $1 million to get the best and that's, how, and that's honestly why the United States is the best military in the, the whole entire world, is they invest the most money to create their military. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable, honestly. Like, $1 million for one Navy SEAL. That's crazy. But anyways, so, that, so I might do a, a topic on that or a speech on that at Toastmasters. Like, kind of be in the odds. Like, maybe, maybe that could even tie into that one with the belief topic and just do two, two examples. Like, those are pretty hard-hitting examples. But anyways update on that trying to think of anything else uh oh high school connections that's what i kind of wrote on here you know i'm back in the gym which is awesome what's up phyllis so so back on um you know high school connections so i had a couple people that joined this once in a while and they um they basically right now like i just ran into uh the one kid brandon last episode which i haven't talked to in probably like the last couple of months maybe like 3 or 4 months i haven't seen him in a long time um and he came on here and was like saying hi and stuff so i reached out to him which you know hopefully you know i probably have a conversation with him later today after this cuz i reached out to him today but he um was talking to me a little bit and it's just kind of interesting because i'm i kind of want to reconnect with a lot of people from high school cuz when i was in high school i didn't talk to anyone. I didn't have a lot of uh, connections. I had a very, very small niche. So I think like most people, I think you have like your jocks, you have your nerds, you have, you know, the in-betweeners, right? You have different, different groups, but it was all niches then. And what I realized was like, I didn't really, I didn't really connect with a lot of people in high school. So it's kind of interesting when I get different people from high school that come on and they're like, oh, hey, like, how's it going? So I try to reach out to those people that join this and they're, you know, especially if they're from like my, from my high school past and I try to reconnect with those people. So I think that's kind of pretty awesome too, is I, I can, I'm kind of reconnected with old people that I haven't really talked to in a long time, or I didn't really have a strong relationship with that. I can now kind of reform those, uh, those connections and those relationships. And, uh, you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen with those. So that's also pretty cool. Uh, probably move on now. So we're, we'll go on to the two topics, right? Now, the two topics I have picked out is the journey is better than the arrival and haters promote you, right? So the first one I'm going to talk about is the journey is better than the arrival. Now, this was a topic I came up with because of the 16-year-old kid that, that is making millions at age 16. is one of the first 16-year-olds to be making millions in the United States. And he was talking about the journey right? 
and I thought about it for a, a minute or two because some of these some of these topics like you have to think for a minute because I was thinking to myself, you know, I was thinking about where I came from, right? And this was also kind of tied into kind of what Ashma told me uh, like like two days ago or a day ago where she was like, you know, you started on episode one and they were okay, right? They were okay podcasts or okay episodes. Now you're on 90 to 92 and, they, and they're just, they're, they're good. They're, they're like good, you know, you're a good public speaker now. Like now the topics are getting better. You have structure, you have X, Y, and Z. They're just better podcasts overall. Like you're more confident now when you come on. Uh, your public speaking skills are enhancing. Probably don't, you know, I, the first episode I saw of myself was kind of funny because it's just like, um, uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Like it, I really didn't, you know, I didn't have a personality when I came on because I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of winging it, right? Now I kind of understand what I'm doing now. So looking back on that, the arrival now is obviously cool and fun and everything, but the journey making the episodes was a lot, you know, is, is a lot cooler when you actually look at it as a whole, because I came from nothing, right? I came from nothing and I worked my way into goals and updates to create it into something. Um, the coolest thing that, that I realized too, because sometimes you don't see the progress in things. I went, you know, I'd go to my, my cousins. I probably talk about this a lot because it's, it was, it was such a cool, cool thing. Like two, like, three, there's a couple, there's a couple different instances that I could talk about or uh, examples I can give you. But the two biggest ones that were the coolest, coolest things that, that happened to me, well, actually the three coolest things that happened to me, I'll give you three examples. The first one was when I went to my cousin's uh, baby shower and my cousin's like, hey, and I didn't mention goals and updates. I didn't mention, I don't mention work when I, when I go out and, and see family and stuff. I try to, I, I try to stay focused on my family Almost like if I go on vacation, I really don't take too many pictures, which I, you know, I should take the pictures, but I don't go on social media. I don't really, con people get pissed at me because like I'll go, I'll go ghost for like three days if I'm on vacation, but it's because I'm enjoying the vacation. The whole point of going on vacation is to enjoy vacation, right? Not really to go on social media and go into the internet world. It's to really dive deep down and, and think about things. You're getting away from things. You're thinking about things. That's the whole thing with the uh, vacations. So when I went to go see my, my cousin and I haven't seen him in years, like I haven't seen him probably in, in five, maybe seven years. Okay. And he's doing a lot of cool things. Um, he's, he's an architect. So he's doing a lot of cool things. He's running marathons, like crazy Boston marathons and stuff. So he's doing a lot of cool things. He just recently got married. He's, he's having a baby now. So we went to go see him and I, you know, I wanted to talk to, I wanted to hear more about himself. And he comes up to me and he goes, Hey, he's like, you know, I've, I've noticed you doing those live streams and, and the, and the podcasts and you're getting different people on there. And he's like, it, they're actually pretty good. He's like, I actually enjoy them. And he's like, I watch them once in a while. And he's like, he's like, um, he's like, they're actually pretty good. He's like, uh, he's like, so it's kind of, and he's like, I, he's like, I can almost kind of compare it to like almost like a Joe Rogan podcast where you have like random people on there, but you talk kind of, you talk about what they want to talk about. And then it's kind of like, you're not just one topic. You're kind of talking about different things with that person. You're getting different people on there, which is pretty interesting. And I'm like, and I, you know, I got really happy because I'm like, all right, so that's kind of, it showed me that, you know, people are paying attention. People are watching it. Cause you know, once in a while I'll do a live stream and it's like, you know, you don't see anyone on here and then you go on later and you see like maybe like 90 people saw it, but I don't know how, how many episodes they've seen or how many minutes they've been on it. And 
that's really the cool part, right? That was like, that was a big thing for me. Cause I'm like, Oh man, like I haven't seen my cousin in seven years and my cousin's telling me about the work that I'm doing. Right. That's awesome. So that was one cool thing. The second one I can give you is when I went, I, you know, most people know I worked for a marketing company, um, for Broward college. I worked as a part-time marketer and I went there, you know, I, I, I bust my ass with that, that place. And I think that place actually probably changed me, uh, out of any other job I've ever worked at because I was so close. It was kind of, it's a big corporation. They have different departments, but the department that I was working for, the marketing department was not a massive, massive department. It, it was kind of a small organi you know, organization type department. So I kind of was really, really close to a lot of the people within that department. And I learned a lot from these people. Like these people were very, very, um, at, you know, very informed, very educated, yeah, I was up against my own, uh, yeah, I wasn't very, I didn't have anything. I didn't have degrees. I didn't have the knowledge that these people had. Like these people were doing this type of job for long periods of time, like probably like 15, 30 years. Uh, so, you know, and I was up against the odds. So I learned a lot from these people, but the coolest thing that happened to me was I ended up, you know, having to go get another job because I wasn't really making a lot of money there. And I, and I knew I had to like increase my income. So when I got another job and I'm, and I told them, I'm like, you know, I'll come and visit you guys once in a while. I'm like, I'll still go to, you know, I'm still going to class right now for Broward college. And I'm like, I go to the same campus you guys work on. So I'll try to stop by once in a while. I stopped by one time. Right. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm getting out of class early. I'm going to go stop by and say hi to the marketing team over at Broward college, central campus. I walk into there. I walk in there and there, and then, um, the one, the one person I, I worked with, uh, uh, Sharon comes up and she's like, Hey, she's like, you're famous. Like, and, and it was funny too. Cause like I, I filmed an episode a day ago, right? I, I filmed like an episode a day ago with, uh, the one guy that now is the president of Toastmasters, Daniel. All right. And I have, if you want to go see that episode, by the way, I think it's like episode 85 or 87, somewhere around there, but great, great, great featured episode. Like he was amazing on there. Talked a lot of good, you know, a lot of good topics, but he's kind of more of like a motivational speaker. That's kind of what he's going for at Toastmasters. Same thing as me. He's going for motivational speaking. It's actually why I think we clicked the most out of, out of anyone over there. I think me and him clicked the most. But um, he, I did that episode, and they watched that episode, and she's like, hey, like, you're famous. Like, like I saw that episode. It was amazing. Like, it was really good content. Um, you know, she's giving me all these pointers, all these tips, all, like, all these things I did right. And she's like, you're famous now, right? And I go on there and everyone's excited that I'm there. And they're like, oh, you're doing good things. Like, it's, we're so proud of you. Like, you're doing this. That was a good moment for me, right? It made, it made me feel like, okay, I'm actually reaching out to some of these people. Like, I'm, I, I, like my content's getting out there, right? It, internally. The hard part, too, is like, then, you, you know, you go and watch these other podcasts that are very, very successful. And... You know, I'm watching like Joe Rogan. I'm watching Frank Cardone's uh, Cardone Zone. I'm watching uh, Ben Shapiro. I'm watching, you know, all these podcasts that are very, very successful. Their platforms are very, very, very successful. They're making money off it. They're doing different things. Obviously, these people have been in the podcast industry for a long time, like way longer than I have. Um, but, you know, you're seeing them being successful and you're trying to, you're trying to figure out, you know, how to make yours more successful. And, and when you're starting off, you got nothing. Like, you got nothing. You're creating everything on your own. I got no team. They have, obviously, a support team. They have, uh, you know, they have a lot of resources. I don't have anything. Like, it's just me, 
I'm the only one that works on goals and updates, right? So all the uploading, all the graphic designs, all the marketing, everything is just me, which I haven't really done a lot of marketing, which is, you know, eventually going to have to change. But uh, right now I, I just, it got too much on my plate. I can't really manage it. But uh, the, the point is you get distracted and I'm so focused on the arrival. And then when, when people do that, you, you tend to look back and you're like, oh yeah, look at all these things I've done, right? Look at all the things I've done. And that's why like when I go and I see a friend and they're like, hey, I saw that episode. It's so cool. Or I go to see a family member and I'm like, hey, I saw that episode. It was so great. I liked when you talked about this or you did this. And, you know, it's, it's so amazing how you're on episode 92 and you're almost at 100. You're almost there, man. You're almost at your goal. You said you're going to do 100 and now you're almost there. You're at 92, right? That's what makes it so worth it, right? And I look back and I'm like, damn, yo, I did do it. I, I did. I'm almost at 100. I said I wanted to do 100. I'm almost at 100 and I've, I've been committed, you know, pretty, you know, pretty much I've been pretty committed. Um, you know, I mess up sometimes, you know, I think that's going to happen because I don't have anyone to fill my place. It's all on me. Right. So I feel like I'm doing a pretty decent job. I mean, obviously there's always improvements. You can always do better, but I feel like I'm doing pretty good, but that's the coolest thing, right? Is the arrival uh, not the rival, the, the journey, right? The journey, like, get, like the whole entire progression, the whole entire thing that went on, everything behind you is kind of more worth it than the actual arrival most of the time. Like, you know, it's obviously, obviously pretty cool to get to this point, but at the same time, it's the journey that normally matters. And, um, I had, you know, and the, I had like other experiences too, where like people were telling me, Hey, I, I've seen that. Right. But the journey really, like, honestly, like the, the, the next best thing I can give you the next example would be college. Right. I went to college for four years and got a two year degree. Right. I just recently graduated, I think like a month and a half to two months ago. Okay. And I got my diploma. I mean, I have the paper right here on this desk. All right. I have the, I have the diploma for the two years that I, you know, I got, I got that in the mail. I looked at the piece of paper and I said, Oh, okay. But I went back and looked at the journey for college and I'm like, you know, it, it, you know, I, I took four years on a two year degree, but the journey, I learned so much within those four years that the paper is kind of worth it. Right. The paper itself is, is, is useless. Like, I'm going to be bluntly honest with you. You know, if you know me, I, I don't really care about the paper, but I got the paper because I put too much money in. I put too much time in and I said, you know what? If I did all this stuff, it's, I might as well finish. And, and the reason I, I went to college by the way, and I finished college and I had this argument with my, uh, I had an argument one time. Uh, we were at a family get together at my grandparents and, and my cousin didn't, didn't graduate college. So I'm talking to him. He's a business owner. And I was talking to him and he's like, you know, like, like college is useless. Like, which I, you know, in a sense, I do agree with, like, there's obviously like a little bit more to it than that, but you know, I'm going back and forth and I'm, and I'm like, I know I agree with you. Like, I don't think it's as, as useful as people think it is, but I'm like, I'm not going to college for those people. I'm not even, and I, and my mom was in the room. I'm like, I'm not even going to college for them. Right. I'm not even going to college for my parents. You know who I'm going to college for? And he goes, who? And I go for myself. I said, because I was told that at a very, very young age that I was nothing. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do anything. And guess what, man? You're sitting there without the diploma and I'm getting the diploma. Why? Because I had worth in myself, right? The paper is not for the employee that I'm going for because I'm sure that employee doesn't even give a crap that I got the diploma because everyone has a diploma nowadays, right? 
every, it's coming to a point where everyone's going to have a diploma and the diploma is going to be worth nothing. You're going to pay all that money for the diploma and it's not going to happen. Like everyone's going to have a, a, a four year degree. Everyone's going to have a two year degree. It's, you know, the two year degree, by the way, everyone kind of has, it's the four year degree where it gets a little bit sloppy where some people are like, all right, screw it. I'm not going to go anymore. It's, you know, then you go to your master's, it gets even rarer. And obviously a doctorate is extremely rare, but um, and it's actually probably not even that rare to be honest. With you. I, I met a lot of people that are like, Oh, I'm a doctor, right? Like, like, Oh, call me, call me doctor this or call me doctor that. And I had teachers or professors that did that too. They're like, Oh, it's doctor. It's, it's, uh, it's Dr. Drew or Dr. Daniels or, you know, and it, they paid all this money just for a title. Like that's all it really comes down to. It's title, right? Anyway, it, it also depends what you do with the diploma. I mean, the person that went and got a doctorate isn't even using the doctorates. They're teaching me math, right? Or they're teaching me history. Like they didn't even use the doctorates. And they paid hundreds and thousands, a hundred grand or more. Some of these people come out with 200 grand of debt, right? So, you know, it's kind of crazy. But anyways, so I told them that. I, I told them blunt out. I was like, you know, I'm going to college and, I, and I'm getting this diploma for me, not for anyone else, not for the employee, not for my parents, not for society, because I got to prove to myself that I'm worth it, right? I didn't come all this way to then drop out, right? My father did that. My father went to college for a couple of years, dropped out, didn't get anything. My mom, I, my mom technically, I guess you could say went to college, but my mom didn't really go to college. My mom went and got a, uh, a, like a, a certificate. Like, and back then college wasn't that big either. Like college wasn't is, it wasn't what it was like today. Like now they have college for everything, right? Like there's every type of program you can imagine in a, in a university. There's uh, so many certificates you can get now. Uh, back then, like they kind of, ha they had college, but it wasn't really what it was today. It wasn't all these options. It wasn't all these different directions you could go into and, and take. So um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, when my mom goes, yeah, I went to college. I, I, I kind of really don't think so. Like I kind of argue with her sometimes. I'm like, I don't really think you went to college like it is now. Like now it's crazy, right? Like now it's like ridiculous. The stress, the amount of crap they, they try to push on you to, in college, the amount of debt you come out with, like it, it's, it's unbelievable to be honest with you. But anyways, um, but when I got that paper, I, 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 you know, I, I, nothing like there was no emotion in me. I wasn't, I got the paper and I'm like, okay, like it's whatever. Right. Until I sat down with myself and looked behind me and went, oh man, yeah, I took four years, right? Four years, failed a bunch of times in different classes. I got, you know, I went for four years out of a two year degree. So, uh, you know, right off the back, people would have been like, screw this. It's not worth it. And dropped out. My, my one friend went halfway and dropped out and he wasn't even paying for college. His parents paid for college, right? They did the Florida prepaid and he's not even paying and he didn't even, and he didn't graduate. He kind of, he kind of dropped out, which I'm trying to convince him to go back. I mean, you might as well, if your parents put the money into it and you're halfway there, you might as well just finish it, man. Uh, and, and if you're listening to me right now, right? If you're, if you're listening to me and, and so happens you come on to this episode, finish your degree, man. You're halfway there. You're basically getting it for free. You might as well use it, man, and go get it. But anyways, this is a message for him. He'll, he'll know if he sees it. But anyways, so the journey is, is kind of what I, I realized was more important. Like all the things I learned, the internships I did, the people I met, the connections I got, 
the, the, the skills I learned on the way up. And I'm not talking about the skills that I learned in Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. I'm talking about the skills I learned meeting the people um, through internships. That's what matters, right, is the internships. And no one does them because everyone's like, I don't want to work for free. I don't want to go and do this. Uh, if you're not doing internships and you're in college, I'm, I'm going to be bluntly honest with you, you're stupid. And the reason I'm telling you that is because that's what you're paying the money for. You're paying it for the connections, right? Why do you pay, right? Why do you, why, why does anyone want to go to Harvard? Why does anyone want to go to Stanford? It's because the connections, it's not the education. We all know it, right? We all know the education is bullshit. Don't kid yourself. We all know the education system is, is, is messed up. They're not teaching you the proper things. They're not teaching about finance. They're not teaching about any, and anyone will tell you that. Everyone agrees with that. What they disagree with is how we fix the college or the, or the school systems, right? That's where they disagree. Everyone knows, no matter what side you're on, politically, uh, economically, like, you know, it doesn't matter what side you're on. We all agree that college is way too expensive and college is a broken system. But guess what? We all still go to college. We all push our kids to go to college. We all push everyone to go. Society tells you you must go to make money in the United States of America, which is the, the biggest, biggest myth out of all of it. And we all know it's bullshit, but we still go, right? So that's, that's, that's what you should be thinking about. Now, which, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of crap for that. Uh, probably especially my mom, but whatever. <laughs> but anyways, so that's, that's really what I wanted to talk about was the journey, right? So that's, that's, you know, we tend to lose focus on the journey, by the way. We tend to focus so much on that arrival, like what I was just telling you, so much on that arrival that once we get to the arrival, we're like, oh, it's whatever, right? Um, I just got, you know, speaking of, of journeys and getting there, I just for the first time ever got debt, consumption debt free. Now, I still have a little bit of like, like debt, like I'm not 100% debt free right now with personal crap, like personal consumption, I should say. Um, but I, um, I, you know, and I, and I got plans to do it and I'm working endlessly hard on doing it because I, you know, my money is my money, right? I, I want my money. I don't want to give my money to the bank constantly. And I want to give my money to these debt collectors and stuff like that. I don't have any debt collectors by the way, but I'm just saying, I don't want to give my money. Like I work hard for my money. I want all every single dollar to go to my pocket. So, um, you know, I got out of the credit card debt yesterday I got paid yesterday and I, and I paid off all my credit card. I got, I finally got to a point where I could pay all the credit card debt off. Okay. And uh, you know, it felt great for a couple minutes. And then I realized it was the journey. Like I did something that most people would not do and, and still struggle with today, which is credit card consumption debt. And I got out of it. Right. I committed, I made a budget. I stuck to it. I, I, I went really conservative on what I was spending my money on. I, you know, I, I kind of saved a lot more than I was saving before. I uh, paid way more than the minimums. I had strategies to get through it. And, you know, I, I didn't panic. You know, there's a point, I'm telling you, there's a point where I'm like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to pay for all this debt, right? I'm like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to pay for all this debt. And guess what I did? I said, you know what? I, I can't, that's why I actually, if you want the cold hearted truth, that's why I, I, I left the marketing job at Broward College and went to this warranty company that I'm at right now. Because I'm like, there's no way I can pay for all this debt and stretch it that thin where I can actually live and be kind of okay and, and literally pay the debts. 
So I went and I said, I got to go make more money. I got to increase my income. And I went and got a diff I got another job and got more money, got benefits. Went, you know, I, I went from working part-time to full-time. Um, and that's how I'm getting out of, you know, out of debt. I'm increasing the income and I'm cutting the expenses, right? And paying more on my debts a, a little bit more, but at the same time I'm saving. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people will cut and they'll just push all their cash into the debts rather than save on top of paying off the more than the minimum on the debt. Right. And that's the problem. And, and most people are like, well, I can't do that. I don't have enough money. Yeah. It's Cause you have to increase your income and most people aren't willing to go out of their comfort zone to go get another job and increase the income and increase the pay. Right. They're too comfortable. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put myself in that position. I don't want to take a, a leadership role. I don't want to go and do that. So, you know, that's, you know, and that's why a lot of people are broke. It's not because, you know, it's not because the United States is a poor country. It's because people are not willing to go do what the average person is, is not willing to do. Uh, but you know, that, that's what it is. But so anyways, that's the journey, right? <laughs> kind of went, went into different things. But uh, that's, that's the topic of the journey is better than the, than the arrival. The journey is better than the arrival. Now we're going to go into the second one. Now haters promote you. That's the second topic we're going to talk about. Now I came up with this one too because of the 16-year-old kid that is making millions and is one of the, the first kids to be 16-year-old, uh, 16 years old making millions of dollars. And what he was talking about, he gave this example where he's like um, – he went and said like the reason why people are poor is basically what I just told you a couple minutes ago is because most people don't want to get themselves out of their comfort zone and, and push themselves and, and actually go into higher positions and try to look for different, you know, if, if there's no opportunity here, you get up and move and go to a, a different place that has more opportunity. And most people are just like, I don't want to do that. I want this company to make more opportunity for me. So they're relying on other people to fix their solutions and problems. And so he said, I knew if I posted this video on social media, it was gonna be very controversial and I was gonna get a lot of feedback um, of like negativity and hatred and stuff. But he's like, so I think he said something like he, uh, he waited a couple months and he said, it, you know, the idea came back to him and the, and the idea was so powerful that he said, you know what, screw it, I'm just gonna post it anyways. He said he, um, he got a lot of hate for it he was reading comments. He found this one that this one guy said, you know, just kill yourself like you're stupid or whatever, or some, something about killing himself. I don't remember exactly what it, it said, but something about killing himself. And he said it hurt him really bad because he's like, oh, I was just trying to put content out to help people. And this person is, is telling me to kill myself and stuff. So, and, and even though it kind of sounds stupid, but when you're trying to produce content, like if someone came on it right now and was like, you know, F you, like you're stupid, like I, I, like, like go, you know, kill yourself. I, I'd feel pretty, you know, I probably really wouldn't care as much just because like that's the type of person I am. But at the same time, I'd kind of be like, oh, like, why is he doing that? Like, I don't know who that kid is, or I don't know who that person is. But at the same time, like when you're trying to produce good quality content, you're trying to go out of your way and, and help other people and people are telling you that, uh, it does hurt. Like it, it, it does hurt, right? And he said, it hurt him and he's just looking for, he was basically just looking for a comment that would basically be like, hey, like, thank you so much for producing this video. It helped me out a lot. And he said he went through all these negative comments, like straight rows of negativity, um, different, you know, really bad comments. Finally hit this one and it said something about, hey, my son was, uh, you know, a couple of times has attempted to commit suicide, came across your video, realized that you're right and doesn't he doesn't have a father and that's why, you know, he's been kind of like all over the place uh, mentally and everything. He's, he's not mentally stable, tried to commit suicide. 
went to your video, saw it, and now he wants to change his whole entire life, and he's on the road of becoming, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, and he's actually doing really well now because of your video. And he said after he saw that, it changed everything. He knew that he had to get, you know, he he couldn't he couldn't listen to the haters anymore. He had to go and do his own thing. And he said like the haters are the ones that promote you, right? So most people are really really scared when they go and they do something and and they basically. They basically like know like oh this is gonna be very controversial and this person might say something terrible to him and like that's what they call a hater, but he said like if you get over that and realize that the haters are there to promote you, uh, and and the and the cool thing with this one too is like I actually have on Facebook right now if you went to my Facebook profile page, and the cover the actual cover background it's it's a Grant Cardone quote where it's like you can't get to your destination without the haters, right. That's what he's referring to in this segment, right? Or this topic. You need the haters to promote you, right? The best example, whether you like him, whether you don't like him, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, is Donald Trump, right? Now, why am I bringing him up? Just take a look at the news. Who's the most highlighted individual that you know? You could go to anyone in the whole entire world and go, hey, do you know, have you heard about what Donald Trump did? And even if that person's for him, against him, they know exactly who you're talking about. Why? The haters promote Donald Trump. That's actually how Donald Trump won, by the way. And, and the funniest thing is my friend, my friend was, uh, was talking to me about this. He's like, I wrote an essay in college, right? He's like, I wrote an essay in college and I, and I explained how Donald Trump won presidency over Hillary Clinton. And he was for Hillary, by the way. He was, he's not a Donald Trump supporter he was for Hillary Clinton, and he wrote this article, and he said the reason why Trump won was because all of the news outlets, right? If you went on the news, they never mentioned Hillary Clinton. They always mentioned Donald Trump. So they basically gave him free, uh, free publicity and free marketing, and that's how he won because everyone, when they went to go vote, just had Donald Trump in their heads. Oh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, right? So he's probably the best example, right? He takes the most heat. He takes the most uh, negative negative press, right? And he and they basically self-promote him. And it's the funniest thing because, you know, he gets free promotion, free publicity. Uh, you know, if you could probably go and look at records of his business from 10 years ago to now, I'm sure his business makes five times, maybe even 20 times more money. He's probably, he's probably more wealthy today than he is the last 10 years. Why? Because the haters promote him, right? Haters promote him. His name's everywhere. His, his name is literally, his, his, his moneymaker is, is Trump, his last name Trump, right? So the, the point is, like, you can't be scared of the haters. The haters will promote you. I used to be extremely scared of people that, that, that uh, you know, did things. Like, I was the person that, you know, I, I worked, obviously, I worked at uh, Broward College. Now, most people know that that college in general is most mostly controlled by like the left or liberals. Right. And I'm, I'm very conservative. Like, like I tell everyone, I'm 90%, I'm, I'm pretty far right. I'm 95% conservative. Right. I worked on, and like, I'm in South Florida. Okay. I'm in Coral Springs, South Florida. It's very Democrat here. Okay. So most of the people you talk to are probably not going to agree with viewpoints that come politically from me. Right. I, so it's really weird down here because, like, you can't really – I mean, I talk about certain things, but I don't talk about politics with, like, just anyone. Like, if I was just talking to someone, I wouldn't bring it up, right? But if they're talking to me about politics, I'll go ahead and talk to them because I know they're not going to – they might get pissed, 
at my viewpoint on it, but I, I know if they're talking to me about it and they're willing to be, you know, talk about like different opinions and ideas. So I worked at Broward College in the marketing department. I'm the only one that was conservative in that office. So every single time the news came out with something, CNN came out with something, MSNBC, uh, Fox, a anytime someone came out with something posting Donald Trump in it, they talked about it in that room. All right. And it's a small room. It's a, it, it, it's, it's like a small square box in there. All right. And we just, it's small little cubicles in there. And everyone there was not a Trump supporter. Okay. So it, it was one of those things where it was really awkward. Like they talk about things and I'm like, I don't agree with that, but I kind of just, you know, I, I didn't say anything. Cause I'm like, if I say something, it's going to be controversial to what they think. And I'm just trying to get a paycheck here. Like I'm here to work. I want to be friends with these people. I, I want more of a, a strong connection and relationship with these people. And so I, I would avoid talking about politics, even though every single 10 minutes we'd, we'd end up, you know, they'd end up bringing up something with politics in it. And what ended up happening was a couple, you know, then they would try to pitch me into it. Like then it got to a point where I was like, you know, after a while I'm like, all right, I can't, I can't really hide in the corner anymore. Right. I can't, I can't not, you know, cause I'm not going to tell them like if they came up to me and they're like, Hey, like what's your opinion on this? I, I you know, I, I would tell them, I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not a liar. I'm not going to lie to them, but I, I just wouldn't engage with it. Right. And the, the whole point with it is I, um, eventually I got, I got stuck where I had to talk about it, where they eventually said something and they're like, so what do you think? And I think we were talking about something. I think, I think the first time I had to talk about it was we were voting. I think we were voting and they're like, okay, like you guys can leave early to go vote. And they were talking about different candidates and something came up where the, I think the one guy, the one Republican guy, I don't remember exactly who it was. It might've been actually um, the governor now of Florida. I think it might've been Ron DeSantis. No. Yeah. It might've been Ron DeSantis where he was talking about uh, monkey business or monkeying around or something. And then everyone took it out of context and they're like, like this guy's racist. Right. And I'm just and like, I listened to it. Cause I'm like, uh, cause I'm the person that gives everyone the benefit of the doubt. Like I don't watch the news. So I didn't even hear about this statement. And so when they were talking about it, I looked it up online. I listened to what he said. And I listened to both sides. Cause I think it was a debate or something. I think they were debating or it was something where it was just a statement in the news, like the press. And I'm watching what he's saying, and I'm like, all right, you can clearly tell that the guy is not talking about race. He's just talking about the sense of, um, like, the, like, the term monkeying around or, like, joking or, or being almost like a, like a fool or whatever, right? Like, kind of, like, being stupid. But I agree with them that he probably shouldn't have said that because he, he knows better. Like, he should know better that they're going to twist it, they're going to turn it around, they're going to do all this shit. And it's just politics, right? Like the other side wants to win the race. Like they're going to, they're going to twist that. It's very easy for them to twist that. And, and I, and I told them it was probably stupid of him to use the terms. Like the terms are very outdated terms, by the way, too. I didn't, you know, I was like, it's kind of stupid to use that terminology. It's, it's not, it's, it's old. It's like really old terms. And so when they asked me about it, I told them the straight truth. I'm like, listen, you can tell he's not referring to him as, as, as an actual monkey or, or, or a race term. He's talking about this type of term. And I'm like, but I do agree with you. It was stupid for him to say that because it doesn't like, I don't know why he would use that term. Like, I don't know if it's just an old fashioned term that he uses or whatever, but I'm like stupid. He should have known he was going to get, there was the press was going to twist that and do X, Y, and Z with it. 
but I kind of agree with you on that term. And, and they would be like, Oh, like, come on. Like, are you stupid? Like he obviously said it cause of X, Y, and Z. Right. And it would get heated. And it, I, it's got really awkward guys. Cause like I'm the only one that didn't really agree with hundred percent what they were saying. Everyone in that room did. And we had like, tw- I, I mean, I'd say we'd had like 12, maybe a little less than that, maybe like nine or eight people in that room. And it was every single time I was the only one that had a different opinion or a different um, ideology or a different belief system than it. Right. So it was always awkward, but I, I think that made me a little bit stronger kind of going back to like the whole journey thing, but of the, the last topic I talked about, but eventually I had to break through to it. Eventually I had to confront the beast in the room. And I remember one time we were talking about, we were talking about, uh, like like Parkland, the Parkland massacre happened over here, right across the. You know, I'm pretty. We're pretty close to that, and that happened. And there's a lot of there's protesting that happened a lot on Broward College campus, and I didn't I didn't agree with what they were going for. I don't I you know I agree that there needs to be more security structure in the schools, but taking away the guns doesn't solve the problem. The, you know, that's my opinion. Your opinion might be different, but. Uh, speaking, you know, factual, I have, you know, there's tons of facts you can use to outplay this, right? And my one, the one coworker that used to be in front of me um, brought me into this conversation one time and he was talking about gun control and I go back and forth with him, back and forth with him. It got heated. Uh, There was one time we tried to sit down at lunch and we were having a conversation about uh, illegal immigration and like, you know, border control and stuff like that. And it got kind of out of control right? Like, not really out of control, but like he would get heated and I'd just be like, you know, th- this is my opinion. Like, I know I can't really change your opinion. I can just state you the facts. I can just share with you my I- idea on it, but I understand, you know, like it's up to you to change and want to change your belief system on it. I can't really force that on you, but I, I do appreciate you like sitting down with me and kind of trying to be civil about it and just talk about it. But he would get heated. He'd be like, come on, man. Like, I can't believe like you think that way or, or this, right? And I'd just be calm and I'd be like, you know, I don't understand why you think like that, but I'm like, or, you know, but I'd actually probably be like the opposite. I'd be like, I kind of understand why you would think that. Right. But you know, if facts would differ, the facts would say this, or facts would be like this, and this would make more logical sense than that. And I'm like, I understand it's more of an emotional um, feeling that you would have that you want to help this side more because it's more emotional than, you know, factual. But, you know, in the end, like, it doesn't matter about being more emotional. It matters about what's going to, to have a better positive outcome and what's really going to help make a difference in the country. That's what, it, that's what it comes down to. That's what the president should be doing. The president shouldn't be going on an emotional basis, um, you know, or else we, we would have nothing. Like, you wouldn't have all the, the things around us if someone went on an emotional appeal on it. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, it doesn't sound great until you look up the facts, right? That's what I would tell him. I'm like, you know, and I don't mean any disrespect by that either, right? And I'd, I'd actually kind of comfort him that I understand that he disagrees and he would just kind of get pissed, right? But it came a point where I had to confront that beast. Now, the same thing happens at this company I'm at right now, to, to be 100% honest with you. It's uh, no white people work at this company. I, I mean, um, it's kind of funny how a lot of people say, like, if they go to every company, the majority is white. The majority at my company that I'm working at right now, it's not my company, but the, the company I work for right now is majority black, okay? So it's really, really funny how people say that. But I'm telling you, like, there's only, like, four or five white people I've ever seen out of a 500, 500 
um, 500 coworkers that I've seen at this, uh, this call center. Okay. Um, now take it for granted. The guy that owns it is white and he's Jewish, but, um, or the, the CEO of it, but majority of the people that work here, majority of the people that are in this, in this environment, in this organization are black. It would go black, Hispanic, Asian, Actually, it might be white than Asian, if I had to be bluntly honest with you. I don't know if it would be Asian or white. I mean, they're probably about uh, the same. I've seen maybe like one, maybe two Asians there, or uh, demographically speaking. But, you know, th- that's the funniest thing. So everyone there is anti-Trump. Uh, you know, they all, you know, everything that is is very left-wing is, is in that room, right? So you kind of have this feeling where you're like, if I say something that kind of doesn't appeal to this side, I'm going to get a lot of shit thrown at me. I mean, I get a lot of conflict thrown at me. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of am kind of in a sense doing the same thing. But if someone talked to me about politics, like the guy that sits next to me, by the way, and like, just to let you guys know, the reason I tell you guys this stuff is not to be controversial, not to be, um, you know, I'm trying to be honest with you. I'm trying to, you know, try to be as honest as I possibly can, can do it. So, you know who I am, you know, like I'm not, this crazy individual, like I'm just an average Joe like yourself. And that's kind of why I'm doing this. Uh, but at the same time, the reason I bring it up is because I know it's possible to have discussions with people that have opposing, opposing viewpoints than you. How do I know this? Because the person I sit next to every single day and, and work as a team with that we go on phone calls together and, and we work together as one unit is, um, is black. And I've had political discussions with him where I'm like, like, you know, he came to, I think he mentioned something politically to me. I didn't mention anything political to him. And I noticed that if I do that, if I'm not the first one to mention politics and I kind of get pushed into that category, that person is willing to talk, right? That person is kind of, I don't know where they stand. I can't, you know, because the one time he said something and I'm like, oh, he might be, he might be conservative, right? But I don't know. Right? I really don't know if he's conservative or he could just you know, maybe agree with me on that point, but maybe he's very far left on other points, right? But who knows? He could classify himself as Democrat, but you know he has a lot of conservative viewpoints that he likes or he agrees with, right? But when I sat down and talked to him, I realized that we agreed on almost 90% of the stuff that we were talking about. And at the same time, there, was, there, there were a lot of disagreements that he didn't really agree with what I was saying, but at the same time, he kind of understood what I was saying. Same, you know, vice versa with him. Like there were some things he was saying that I understood why he was saying that, but I didn't agree with him, right? And I, and I told him, I'm like, yeah, I understand what you're saying and I could see it, but I, I don't really agree with that. I agree with this and this is kind of how I see it and this is what I do. And not once, not once did we ever get into a heated argument. Not once did we both get emotional about it. Not once did we go crazy about it. Um, not once did we look at each other any differently. Did Not once did we change the way we work together. Not once did any of those, those things change that, change the viewpoint of one, one another, right? I didn't look at him any different. He didn't look at me any different. I can't obviously tell you that on his side, but what I can tell you is nothing physically like changed between us. Nothing like connection wise changed, right? Uh, as, as like a friendship, as a coworker, nothing changed. And funny enough, I go, I, you know, the TV that you see behind me, like sometimes I go on there and I play video games with him. I don't play a lot of video games, but when I do, you know, I play with him on there. 
right? So my, my point to you is that you could differ. By the way, he classified himself as independent. So, you know, maybe that's why, but he wasn't, he wasn't far left. But I've had plenty of conversations with people on the left. I mean, I've gone into a bar with a, a, a person that classified herself as a feminist. And I sat down and had a beer with her. And I, you know, I talked to her and at first, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know if I should tell her. Cause like, she was telling me like political stuff. She started talking politically and, and I'm like, I can't tell her I agree with it. So I'm going to have to tell her that I am conservative and that I do fall, I tend to fall 95% to the right and not the left. And, and I told her that and she was like, Oh, you know, I don't care. She's like, I don't care. She's like, I, I can tell you're very, you know, you're, you're someone that is not going to get mad. Like I could talk to you about this. Like, it's not going to be too controversial. Like, you know, the opinions and the ideas might be different, but she's like, trust me, like, I don't really agree with all this stuff that's going on with the left. She's like, the left has definitely changed. It's not the same. Um, and, and honestly, that's what you're seeing a lot too. Like if, you know, speaking politically, like a lot of people that were very, very far left seem to be moving to the right. That's just the movement that's happening right now. They might not 100% agree with the conservative party and they don't 100% agree with Donald Trump. But at the same time, there's, they're moving more towards the middle. There's a lot of people moving from the left to the middle and slowly moving further to the right. And the reason is because the, you know, now the, the left is really showing a lot of its color, right? They're showing a lot of the stuff that the right has been con- you know, telling everyone like, hey, look, they want this, they want that, they want this, they want that, but they're just not going to tell you that because it's not politically like okay to say that. And now they're starting to say it. Now they're not even hiding it anymore. So now people are like, oh, shit, I supported this side. And now they're exposing themselves. Like, oh, my God, everyone was right. They are doing that. And now everyone's shifting over. So the point that I'm trying to make here is, um, you know, it's possible, right? Everything is possible. Like, I don't believe in impossible. Everything is possible. So, Um, you know, and you got to go through the haters. And that's what I realized. Like the whole, the whole reason I'm telling you all this stuff with politics and, uh, being a conservative and like living in a place where it's very, very left wing or very Democrat is because I was always scared to bring up my point of view because I was scared I was going to get haters. Right. I went to a, you know, I went to a Trump rally and I didn't tell anyone I was going to a Trump rally. Like I was scared of my own friends. I was scared to tell my friends that I was going to a Trump rally. So I just told them like, and I really feel, I feel shitty after I did it too. Cause then I came home and I talked to him about it and I, and I was like, all right, I can't, you know, technically it was a business trip, but I'm like, at the same time, I went to a Trump rally. Like it, it's also, you know, it, it was business, but at the same time, like I went to a rally that was for Trump and some of my, you know, the two people that I hang out with now, um, that are my really good, you know, I call them family. I don't call them friends. Um, they constantly kind of talk shitty about Trump, Right. And I was like, damn, I'm going to tell them I'm going to this rally and they're going to give me a lot of shit for it. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. So I ended up telling them I was just going on business up in Orlando. And I'm like, and I did the same thing at work. I'm like, I'm not going to tell people I went to this rally. I'm just going to tell them I went on a business trip because they know I got a business. So I'm like, I'm just going to tell them I went for business. And when I got back and I told them, I'm like, Hey, I went to this, you know, I went to the Trump rally in Orlando and they're like, they're like, Oh, like that, that's pretty cool. Like, how was it? And they were kind of excited for me. And I was like, Oh, it was kind of cool, man. Like I got to, you know, I saw a lot of things that weren't true on the news. And then, then they, and then we went out for a drink and I, I talked more about politics with them. And it was kind of cool. It was interesting because it was almost like a slap in my face. Like I was so scared that my, my, my good friends that I call family 
are going to turn on me because of, of me going to a Trump rally. Right. So the, the point is like, you can't be scared to have haters. Like haters will promote you. I have people, I'm sure I have, you know, I definitely have a couple of them. I definitely know of two of them. I don't know about the third one, but I definitely have two of them. All right. And I'm sure they promote the hell out of me. You want to know why I know that? One of them was, I was really good friends with for a very, very long time, five or 10 years. Uh, yeah, around that, I think it was around that time frame. Um, who eventually I just ditched. Eventually I just said, screw it. And I, and I got away from it. And I knew, it was, you know, I knew from the beginning of time, it was like the right move to do. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I finally did it. And I'm almost positive he talks about me. Like, I, you know, I hear people, I hear people that I'm still friends with that see him once in a while and they say, Hey, you know, he still says this or he says that or uh, whatever, but I'm sure he promotes me. Now there's an ex-girlfriend that used to come on these podcasts all the time that you'll probably never see on here. Um, I don't know. I, I won't say never, but you probably won't see on here for a very, very long time. Uh, but she used to come on here all the time. Give me support. It would be the first one to view first one to put a comment in here. Uh, now she hates my guts, but I guarantee she promotes me to other people. Okay. Uh, the biggest thing that I probably know is like she'll, she'll eventually start seeing the podcast in places, advertising different things. Cause that's eventually what's going to happen. I'm going to start advertising locally around here. Uh, you know, so she'll see things and she'll be reminded of me. Now, the other thing too, is she's definitely talking to people that she's probably with. So like new guys, new boyfriends, new people that she's with, she's promoting me to her family will probably promote me to her, uh, you know, to other family members, uh, her family will probably promote to like friends that are over there. Her friends will probably be like, yeah, that was the kid that voted for Trump. Right. And probably promote me to other friends of theirs. Right. So the point being is they're going to promote me and more people are going to know who I am because those haters will promote me. Um, you take any, any celebrity, they know him because at one time they hated him. The Kardashians are very, very good proof of this. The Kardashians were very, very hated. They're still very hated, I think, today, but they definitely are making a lot of money off the haters now. It's definitely paying off for them now, right? So, you know, take any so any famous person. Like, I think people are so scared of rejection. I think people are so scared that people are going to hate them. But the truth of the reality or the, 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 the yeah, the truth of, of reality is that you can't, it's impossible. This is the only thing that actually probably is impossible in my opinion, but is you can't get every single human being on planet earth to like you. It, it's, it's never going to happen because there's people that automatically don't like me just for bring, talking about Trump for like 20 minutes. Right. Or talking about politics. The, they probably hate politics. Like, Oh, this kid's talking about politics. Screw this kid. I hate him already. Right. There's no 100% way that you can get 100% for every single person in the United States of America, including the whole entire world, to like you. There's going to be people that don't like you just because of who you are, just because of your skin color. Like, e even though like the race thing is so out outdone and so like so out promoted and so like over exaggerated, they're probably like obviously there's probably like a couple people that are in in a white supremacy. Um, group, the KKK, like we obviously know there's a, there's still an organization called the KKK, but the numbers are small, right? But we still obviously know there's still extreme people that hate, you know, there's probably blacks that hate whites. There's whites that might hate blacks, right? Like, or they do, like some of them do, right? But the point of the matter that I'm trying to make to you is that 
it's it, it, it's such small portions of it. There's such small groups. They're small minorities. They're, they are the, the minority, and majority are not racist individuals, right? That's what I'm trying to tell you. So you're going to have haters. You're going to have people that hate you, and, there, and there's no, there's no clear-cut way to get around that. The best you can do is just try to be yourself and just try to – you know, try to do your normal, your normal grind and just be you and try to be the best version of yourself. And if you, if you appreciate yourself, you have more worth in yourself, the haters won't have anything on you. And that's the true, that's the true purpose of a hater, by the way, that the, the hater is trying to get inside your mind and throw you off. And if you let them get inside your mind and piss you off and throw you off and, and not get to your goal, that's the whole purpose of a hater. Uh, the best example I can also give you real quick, and we'll go into done deal investments, is is I love when people drive, because it happens to me too, like road rage. Road rage is the biggest one that is is the best example for haters, by the way, because you're driving, someone cuts you off, right? They, they might be driving behind you, they're, they're driving up your ass, and you're, you're getting pissed, right? You're so pissed, they, and they come around, they cut you off, and now you're really pissed, now you come around and cut them off. Now, who really won in that scenario? Did the person that that originally got cut off and then cut off the other person win? Or did the person that started it at first and cut you off actually win? The truth is the person that originally cut you off won that, won that argument or that debate right there or whatever you want to call it, that road rage incident, right? Because you let them get inside of your head and you let them control what you did. That's the truth, right? That's the flat up honest truth I can give you. And that's why when I drive, right? And even though I feel like myself getting pissed because this guy's driving my ass, I either move over or they cut me off and I kind of just let him, I let him do, you know, I just, it is what it is. I let him go. Why? Because I won that situation. That guy did not win. That guy knows that the average person, he probably does that to a lot of people and he loves it. Have you ever, have you ever noticed when you get road rage and you go after the next person and they give you the finger because you're trying to do the same thing they're doing to you and they have a smile on their face? The reason for it is because they're, they're excited that you're pissed off. They're excited that they got you wild up. They know that they won. And I tried to, I, you know, I tried to do it with, I tried to explain this situation to my mom. I tried to explain this situation to my sister. I tried to explain this uh, situation to my, my ex-girlfriend that I was just talking about, the hater. Definitely she's a hater. Uh, but, um, and I tried to explain it to them and they just couldn't see it. Most people can't see that. Most people are just like, no, screw him. He's an asshole. And I'm going to give him what he deserves. And that's exactly what he wants you to do. So he won. So that's, uh, that's the topic of haters promote you. And we talked a little bit, you know, a little bit over that topic about haters, but that's haters promote you. So now we're going to go into Dundeal Investments and then we're going to end it. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn. I own a company called Dundeal Investments LLC where the deal is already done. That business is designed to take a distressed seller and put them with an investor. So that's why the slogan is called where the deal is already done because I'm building the deal. My company builds that deal and puts the distressed seller and the investor together, and the investor and myself will help that seller, that person that financially can't sustain their property, go and be able to you know, get out of that crisis that they're in, because that's the biggest thing. Like, no one wants to be homeless. No one wants to go into debt. That's the biggest thing. Like, a lot of it's like pre-foreclosures, 
where the bank, you know, you got a mortgage, you took too much. Now you can't, you can't chew that, you know, that amount, that debt that you have and it destroys your credit. And then you can't go and get another mortgage. You can't go and get another loan. You can't do anything. You're kind of stuck financially. So that's why I designed this company to help those people that financially cannot do it on their own. There really isn't any type of resource for homeowners. It's one of the fewest uh, things that actually, you know, it's the most important thing is, is living, right? You have to have somewhere to live. You have to have shelter, but there's really not a lot of resources for it. The only resources is like financing, which is mostly the banks and mortgages, which uh, now they're coming out with different companies. Like I think it's like Rocket Mortgage. I don't know if that's a bank or if that's just a, uh, uh, like a company that's kind of just financing, or it's just a company that just has a lot of funds and they're just financing and helping people and, and making money off the interest. So they're making money off debt basically. But um, this company is designed to do that, right? To, to help that distressed seller. Now I'm going to go over the three, the three steps to financial freedom. That's what I call the process of what Dundee Investments does. But I'm going to go over who this mainly will help. So this will help people in pre-foreclosure, which is where the bank, you got a mortgage, either mostly probably from a bank or from anyone, from a finance company, and you can't do it anymore. And they're going to repossess the house. They're going to take that house away from you. You're going to lose everything, destroy your credit and so on. We can help you with that. Job transfers where you go in, you find better opportunities somewhere else and they want you there within like a week and you have to sell quick, Right. Um, that's where Dundee Investments would help with job transfers. You have, uh, you inherited a home and most of the time when you inherit a home, it's normally from a loved one where it's, it's normally an older person, an elderly person, and they kind of tend to not take care of the property. So you end up with all these expenses and you just want to sell it quick. You don't really have time to go through a real estate agent. It, you know, and you inherited the house. You didn't, we weren't expecting to inherit this house. It just so happened that the person you were in the person's will, they passed away and they, they gave it to you. So that's, it's a, it's a fast sell on your part with Dundee investments. It's, it's good. It's good for you for that way. We sell it quick. We give you a cash offer. We buy as is, or we buy it as it is. And then uh, you move on from that situation, you know, and then you, you try to do your best with grieving on it. Now also could work with messy divorces where you just want to sell it very, very quick and split the, the, um, the profits from it right down the middle and just 50, 50 it. Right. If, or if you have like a contract, you're going to get 25, she's going to get 75, whatever it is the case. Normally it's uh, in Florida, at least I know it's 50, 50, everything's divided 50, 50 between partners in a, in a marriage or a divorce, right. When you're married and you get a divorce. So we get up with the divorce uh, foreclosure, which is basically uh, the bank owns it. So if you know anyone, like a friend, a family member that is a, owns a bank, a small, most of the time this works for small banks because the, the bigger banks have more time. Uh, they have more capital to be able to basically hold on to that, that asset and, and wait and wait basically. And they can afford to lose some money on it to gain more money back on it. But if it's a small bank, right? It's a small bank and you, you don't, they don't have as much time basically on that resource. They, they kind of tend, they're losing money on the deals. So they have to get rid of it as fast as they possibly can to, to make money on it or else they're going to lose all this money in the, in the deal. So that, that's, if, if you know, basically anyone that's a person that owns a, a small bank that has a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of like foreclosed properties and they're just trying to get rid of it. Have them reach out to done deal investments. LLC. I'm trying to think what else we could help you with. Um, 
maybe you just maybe you're just tied to real estate agents, right? Like real estate agents, it's it's a market that's very very saturated, and it's a market that's very very saturated. They don't have um, sometimes it takes a long time, and maybe you just want to sell. You've had very very bad experiences, and and you just you know you just want to get rid of it as fast as you possibly can. And I know for a fact that. I know a lot of people that went and got a real estate agent and they just didn't really do exactly what they wanted. They charged high commission fees. Most of them charge very high commission fees for doing it. Um, I know for my mom, she had a couple people that she tried to use and like they, they, they didn't, they couldn't sell the house. They didn't really do a good job. It took a long time for them to even get people to come into the house and so on and so on and so on. If you're just tired of dealing with real estate agents, then this would be an easy quick sell guaranteed sell by the way I already have investors on a list I and even if I don't have someone that's even interested in your property I pick up the phone and I call an investor and I go and find you an investor to put on this deal okay I go out of my way with my company and I go and I try to find an investor which I will because the mar there's more buyers in this market nowadays than anything there's more there's actually more buyers than sellers in this market so I'll find you an investor that wants to get on the deal it's no problem. We'll sell extremely fast on the spot. Bam, done. Right. So and quick. Right. So that's uh, that's that's what done deal investments. Those are the the people that I could help. So anyone that just wants to sell their house fast for quick cash offer, or if you're just in a financial situation or crisis that you can't get out by yourself and need the resource, done deal investments LLC can help you. Now we're gonna go over the three steps of financial freedom. So the first step is you have to contact done deal investments LLC. The best way to do this would be phone call. And if you're gonna call, I'm gonna warn you, I work a full-time job. So if you're calling in between the hours of like, I go in at work at 10 to about 6.30, I'm probably not gonna answer the phone call. I, I can't use a phone at my job. So for eight hours straight, there, there's, you know, I'm not on the phone, or at least on my personal phone. So I can't use that. So just leave a message. Most people don't leave messages. I don't know why, but you know, leave the voicemail and just let me know who you are and why you're calling and I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can, right? At the same time, you could text me, you could email, you can go on our website, fill out a form and I'll just contact you directly. Uh, you can go on our social media outlets. You can even go on my personal and reach out to me and I'll just tell you to maybe go here so that way the, the messages go to a, 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 an area where I can manage it better. Excuse me, and, and actually um, keep in touch with it better so don't lose track of it and, and lose you in a pile of stuff. So anyways, that so that's the best ways to reach me. From there, all I'm gonna do is ask you very, very simple questions, very, very basic questions. It's just gonna be what type of problem are you trying to solve, basically what financial condition you're in or why do you wanna sell quick so that way I have a better understanding on how to solve your problem, right? And that way I can catch up um, the investor that I get on the deal and be like, hey, this person has liens. That's another one that I, I missed. Back taxes, right? All that stuff. But, you know, this person has a lot of liens on his property, can't seem to get ahead. And I'm catching up that investor to, to make sure he's on the same page and knows that we have to get you out of this financial situation or this is your problem that we need to solve, right? The other thing I'm going to do too is I'm going to ask you some basic questions on the, the condition of your property because I have to know, um, you know, like, I have to know how much money you owe on the property. I have to know things like, um, you know, the condition that you that you um, that your property is basically in. I need to get a better understanding of what I'm working with, right? So I kind of understand if I can help you or if I can't. 
The only way I wouldn't be able to help you is if there's too much debt and there's no room in your equity to make a, to make a profit for that investor. That's, and basically pay done deal investments. It's the only way we wouldn't be able to work with you. If you have too much debt, um, where it's just like, it's unbearable where even if, even if we went into the deal, like you're not even going to make money on the deal basically. So that's that. Now, the second step is once we get all that stuff done, we you get the questions answered and everything. We set up an appointment. Now we're on step two. We set up an appointment for me personally to come to your property. I do a walk through the property. I take five pictures inside the house and five pictures outside. Then what I also do is then I go in and I look to see like what kind of cost the investor would have to take on to fix the property into mint condition. So this is where we go, okay, there's roof damage, there's mold, there's a leak, there's um, structural damage, there's a window that's broken that needs to be replaced. Uh, we need to get cleaning service in here. Wh whatever the case is where we would have to fix it up and it's a cost to the, the investor, I have to report that and write that down and make sure that the investor knows that, um, you know, he's on the same page of like how much it's gonna cost him out of pocket so he'll go into the deal with us. The other reason I'm doing the pictures is so that way when I go and find investors, I don't have all this foot traffic coming through your property. I just send them the pictures. I send them the, um, the estimates. I send them everything so they're on the same page. They're, they're, they're clued in. They know what's going on. And we didn't have to have all this traffic come to your house and you can relax. You know, like a lot of people don't like all these people come to their house so and their property. So this is a good way to do that. Now, now we're going kind of into step three. It's, it's, it's not 100% into step three, but it's going into step three. So from here, what I'll do is I'll run comps on your neighborhood. I'm going to figure out how much your property is worth on the market. And I do this basically by just trying to find three houses that are closest to yours. I go in and I basically just go, okay, in the last three months, these three properties sold for this amount of money. Uh, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to obviously be all the same amount of money but we're gonna get a rough estimate of how much they were sold for, get at what they call an average price, right? I'm gonna get an average off the three houses I've sold on that market and that neighborhood that you're in. And then I'm just gonna deduct the cost from what the investor is gonna to have to take on. And that's the price we negotiate on from there, right? After all that. So from there, once we come to an agreement on the terms, the policies, everything, whatever you need, the price, we go into signing the contract where you, the seller would sign it. I would sign it for done deal investments and the investor would sign the contract for, um, for whatever, you know, whatever investment company there they have. And then basically everything's done. So now what happens is the seller takes on the cash offer. So me and the investor would give the seller the cash offer. The seller would then be able to go and find another property. If they were in a pre foreclosure or back taxes or whatever, they'd get out of that debt. That would probably screw in with them. Debt collectors, credit, whatever the issue was, they'd get out of it. They'd be able to have the cash to go get another property. At the same time, my responsibility is to still continue to try to help you. So if you need a real estate agent, which I have lots of them, it's very easy to find a real estate agent. Um, but I know really good ones that would, that would actually really help you. And I know um, like home inspectors, if you need one, if you, which sometimes majority of the time, the real estate agent would actually help you with the home inspection as most real estate companies already have a connection of uh, a home inspector, right? That will go and inspect the home for you. So that's not a big deal. Uh, the next thing would be financing, which I could actually help you with financing. <clears throat> like now I can't physically give you money to finance, but I can go and help you find places that would help you uh, get financing for that, right?
Uh, so whatever you need, any resources, I'll find them and I'll give them to you and, and I'll make sure that you're handled. Now, the second, the second thing to this would be the investor. Now, the investor is obviously going to flip the property. He's going to make a profit off the deal for selling it on the market for full market value. That's how he's going to make his money. Now, Dundeal Investments is obviously going to get a commission fee, what we call a finder's fee for putting that deal together. The cool thing is the seller does not have to worry about paying Dundeal Investments commission. The investor will pay Dundeal Investments for commission as a finder's fee, right? For getting him the deal, for locking the deal in with you, basically uh, helping you out and basically giving him, um, you know, putting money in his pocket, basically. He'll, he'll give Dundeal Investments a portion of that. So that's the coolest thing about this. All three parties win and, you know, it's a great resource. It's a resource where it's, it's helping sellers, it's helping investors, it's helping the market in general of real estate, and it's making the community better. Because if that property were to foreclose, which I actually have a property two doors down from my, uh, my parents' house, where it's a foreclosure, I'm pretty sure the bank owns it, they, um, and no one lives there. Like, no one lives there. The grass is always overgrown, and it just looks like an eyesore. The and the property's depreciating because no one's taking care of it. So, I'm sure things are getting, you know, the AC's probably going to be busted. Uh, there, I can already tell there's roof damage on top. There's like shing shingles that need to be replaced. The backyard, the pool is like a mess. Pool is pitch black because no one's taking care of the pool back there. Like, you know, grass is bad. So there's different things that need to be taken care of on that property that the average person does not want to take on. So this is where the investor through my company would basically go and fix that up. Now, the cool part about this is that's what it's doing. It's helping the community. Now, I'm going to go real quick over the big goal that I want to do with this company. I want to tell you the dreams and visions that I have for this company. And I want to scale it to the point where it makes home buying right? It makes home buying an easy process where we have real estate team or a real estate agent team. We have um, investors pre-programmed into a server, right? Uh, they go and they, and they go on that deal. We have the, like I said, ins uh, home inspector. We have the real estate agent team. We have financing. We have different departments that are key elements to home buying. And what this is going to do is it's going to make home buying a lot uh, a simpler, easier, faster process for a seller, as well as give resources to the investor if he needs it and help strengthen that investor that's in the market. Uh, but the, the big thing is really helping that distressed seller get from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And when, because what you'll realize is when you go to buy a home, you need different companies to do different things. You need a, you need a bank to go get the finance and the mortgage you need a real estate agent a company to go find you the properties that you want. You need a, a home inspector, which is from a different company, which goes through the real estate agent company as like a third party. So all these key factors are different companies that are doing this. So if I could house it under one company and do different resources through within this company, Dundeal Investments LLC, it'll make the home buying process a lot smoother, a lot faster. Uh, almost like buying a car. Like a lot of people grieve when they have to go buy a car because the process is so, so slow. You go from the salesperson to then financing to then, um, you know, there's different departments within there. And it, it does make it go faster because everything is in one department. Imagine if you had to call a different, imagine if you went to a dealership, right? Um, and you go there and the car salesman's like, okay, you want to buy this? He talks you into getting it. He, you know, you're like, oh, you're excited to get it. He goes, okay, now you're going to have to drive down the street and work with, with this other company to go get financing for it, right? 
what is what is Hyundai or what is Ford or what do those dealerships do? They have all the financing inside that department. So it's an easy, smooth transition of buying that car. It's the same thing I want to do with the house. I want to create that simple buying process for that house. And that's that's the ultimate goal with Done Deal Investments is to scale it big enough where we can have home inspections, real estate agents, financing, all in one company and create that that uh, that buying process to be smooth, easy, and quicker. Because everyone complains about the, the, the buying experience with homes. Now, the problem with this idea is it does take a lot of time trying to build it because uh, it's in different, it's it's in, obviously it's all in real estate, right? But it's all in different markets. You got the home inspecting market, you got real estate uh, department, you got, they're, they're all financing departments. Like it's it's all different niches and it takes time. Like a lot of it's licensing, a lot of it's getting the proper credentials so you can do it legally. Uh, home inspection, I got to get lot, you know, like, um, I got to get insurance in case, you know, I, I go out and I inspect the home and get hurt. I fall off a roof or I hire employees and they, they end up messing something up. They screw something up and they try to sue us, right? I have to have insurance. You know, it, it's a, it's a whole big, pro you got to get some experience. You got to start trying to build. It's, 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 uh, it's going to take a lot of time, but I know, I know factually it's going to be worth it. Like I, I just know, like it, it just makes a lot of sense. Right. So that's the whole bigger picture for done deal investments, LLC. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything else to tell you guys. I'm pretty sure I'm done, right? This is this has been like the fourth episode for the week. I'm happy I caught up. I committed. I did the two extra episodes for the week. Now we're going to go back on our normal schedule Monday and Wednesday at about 7. I'll tell you, I'll update you guys if it's going to be 7.30. I'm going to still think on that. But it's going to be Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm going to try to get better at social media. I'll start reminding people, start po uh, posting some stuff out. And... Um, yeah, so I, we're done. So this is good. This is episode 92 of goals and updates. I appreciate everyone that's come by. Got some engagement. I like it. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, if I have any other announcements, but I think this is it. I'm wrapping up episode 92 of goals and updates. My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.